Hey everybody, this is Jacob, one of the co-hosts on the Back to Back Films podcast. I'd like to take this moment to talk to you guys about Film is Truth, a video rental store in Bellingham, Washington. I had a hard time finding a movie that I was supposed to watch for a class. Uh, The movie was a celebration. It wasn't on any of the video streaming services or on DVD.com. But they had it at Film is Truth, and they had a wonderful staff that helped me find the movie and others that I wanted to watch. It's located in the Terra Organica market, so you can get your films and your groceries in one go. So give them a shot and enjoy the show. Films podcast. This week we're talking Anna Lily Amarpour with the two films, her only two feature films, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and The Bad Batch. Uh, I'm your host. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I am Jacob. <laughs> Stephen Hawking over here. <laughs> and, and I am Stephen Hawking. That was a horrible impression That's of Stephen Hawking. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst impressions I've done, and most of mine are pretty bad. That was more so. Roger Ebert, sorry. <laughs> that was Roger Ebert trying to be Stephen Hawking. Uh, Alright, how you guys doing? Uh, um, Jacob, good. you got back from a vacation, right? I just got back, and by the time the listeners are listening, I will have been back for eight days. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I realize our our pod episode where the last episode I was like, yeah, I'm leaving for New York tomorrow. I <laughs> that day that came out, I was coming back from New York. So that was uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah, because usually we record a Thursday and then release that next Tuesday. Which right, I mean. Typically, the release date is closer to when you record, but for some reason, we settled on this schedule, so... Yeah, I think it was just so we could get the two episodes in, you know? I'm not well, gonna, yeah, I, earlier. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I, I, I'm going to plug that episode. I will, I listened to it this morning, and it's pretty fucking good, guys. It was a good one. <laughs> like, I yeah. was proud of that episode for some reason. I think it's... We did it in the morning, so I feel like maybe the morning episodes are better. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't, know, I don't remember which other ones we've done in the morning, but um, no, there I think was like that one other one we did like a Christmas one or something. Yeah, we might have done that no, one. We early. skipped a Chris, the Christmas one. <laughs> well, it was like around that time. Oh Fuck. yeah, uh, oh, shit, I'm not I sure. Know. Yeah, I can't. But remember. Uh, I know. I definitely think that was a good. I remember just during the conversation, yeah. I was thinking, "Wow, this is actually yeah, good. It was, it's solid, so, solid convo." Yeah, and those two movies are fun to watch, so you can watch them and listen to the episode, and you know, yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't have any updates too much. Yeah, just finishing really. up work and stuff. And me neither. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Uh, just went to New York, saw Book of Mormon. That was really good. Oh, uh, nice. Also saw Anastasia. Which was really good too, and nice. then I also saw Perfect Crime, which was not really good. Uh, <laughs> you might even say it was the opposite of really good. Um, it, it, we went to like the this counter called T- uh, TKTS, you know, tickets, and they give fifty percent off day of tickets, um, or like thirty to fifty percent off. And the guy was like, "Hey, you should try Perfect Crime. It's the longest running off Broadway show." 
So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And apparently it's been running for like 35 years. Whoa. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. It seems like a staple of the city, Um, which it very well may be. (laughs) Um, But we go there, and there's like 10 people in the audience. And uh, like everyone is kind of old uh, in the audience. And and, uh, we we were probably the youngest people there. But um, the play was like this murder mystery, but it was really hard to follow. And the... All, everyone in it was super old. So, like, apparently they've had the same cast for the entire 35 years. Oh, Jesus. And the main actress uh, has played the same role for that entire time and has only missed four days. Wow. So, what the fuck? Why would it, you want to do that to yourself? I don't know. I She's in the Guinness Book so of World bored. Records. I feel like, like, I feel like that, um, like, in their performances, you could tell... How unenthusiastic they were about the <laughs> play, you know, like it felt like they were talking over each other, but not in a stylistic way, more in like let's just get this done type of thing, yeah, um, so yeah, it wasn't very good, and everyone in the audience didn't really like it, and one guy even I went to the bathroom during a intermission, and one guy was like joking around <laughs> with me about how bad it was in the bathroom. <laughs> Jesus. So, we, and it's we, why is it still running then? That's what we, I don't understand. Like. I, I don't know. But we even got free drink tickets from a couple um, who left at intermission. They're like, we're not staying. So, so they gave us free drink tickets. So we, so, so we stayed for the second half because we you know, got some free drinks for it. So that's, that's pretty so nice. weird. That's like, crazy. Like, as an actor, like, why would you want to do that? Like, be the same character for 35 years like you think they want to explore something different i don't know how the they like keep it running like i don't know if they have money because like they're i mean we went on like a tuesday you know so and there was only 10 people in the audience but like you'd think it would need to be like at least like a quarter full for them to be able to pay the bills right you know? yeah. Yeah. so Sweet. i don't know if they have outside money or what is going on with that but it's pretty bizarre well it's weird because i haven't even heard of it and it's it's the longest running broadway play uh yeah off broadway oh yeah off broadway okay yeah i don't think it could run on i feel like it it would just lose money on broadway really fast and then it would yeah go away. but off broadway there's like you know investors that are have other things on their mind. Maybe they just want a Guinness Book of World Record thing, you know? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's why someone's funding it, just to, like, continue the record on, you know, keep that going. I don't know. Yeah. Like, have that, like, you know, that award. I mean, clearly that becomes a selling point, right? Like, oh, come check out the longest running off-Broadway play or whatever, you know? It's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. It worked worked on me and Tiffany. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, if if you want to see a a not great play, definitely check it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's well, yeah, sometimes it's good to go see like bad movies, bad uh, plays. You know, uh, segue to Bad Batch, Bad City. Done. <laughs> I did it. There you go. You're welcome. It happened. <laughs> I, it I happened. finally did one. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, so our main topic this week is Anna Lilia Amarpour, uh, an English filmmaker of Iranian descent. 
just a little just a tiny little bit about her she moved from england to america at a young age and has been making films since she was 12 years old she graduated from the ucla school of theater film and television and she's 41 now just wow. for like a perspective you know so she's for some reason in... i thought she was like younger like she was like kind of a young like yeah she on looks, the scene she looks younger than she is oh, okay. too she has that punk kind of attitude and you know wears like skater shoes and you know like yeah, she totally. doesn't she dresses more youthful she's in touch with like people probably our age right, you know right, <laughs> like, right, okay. <laughs> uh so the first film we're gonna talk about is a girl walks home alone at night released in 2014 in the iranian ghost town bad city a place that reeks of death and loneliness the townspeople are unaware they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire which i don't really like this summary very much it was yeah. just the first one i pulled um because it's not really about the fact that they're unaware that they're being stalked by a vampire it's they're very aware everyone is very aware they're aware of that there's some weird chick like you know following them essentially. <laughs> right right but it's not really about her being a vampire yeah no, the movie is more about the dude in his life, and then she kind of is like a cursory, like, she kind of comes into his life, you know what I mean? Um, what's his name, Arash? Yeah, Arash. Yeah. Arash, yeah. So he, it's more about him and his, like, junkie dad and the the Hussein prostitute woman's kind of around and, like... Yeah, should should Shadia or something like that. Something like that. Shadia. And then, obviously, that uh, the pimp Shada. guy who gets killed, yeah. you know, killed off. So, like, I don't know. It's sort of about her, but kind of not really. Um, but A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night was written and directed by Anna Lily Amarpour, obviously. It stars Sheila Vand, Arash Morandi, Marshall Man- Manesh... Mo- Mohan Marno, Dominic Reigns, Rome Shandanlu, Shadanlu, Rome Shadanlu, and uh, Malad Egbali. Uh, the second film is The Bad Batch, which was released in 2016. Um, the Bad Batch follows Arlen after she's left in a Texas wasteland fenced off from civilization. She adjusts to life, discovering that being good or bad mostly depends on who's standing next to you. Uh, the Bad Batch was written and directed by Anna Lily Amarpour. It stars Suki Waterhouse, Jason Momoa, Jada Fink, Keanu Reeves, and Jim Carrey. Um, <laughs> so our uh, our uh, like webcam of you is freaking out right now. Whoa! Are we, uh, we going to do like, this every episode? Dude, it's, like, it's strobing it's like super strobing. hard. What is happening? Whoa! Well, just don't look at me. Just don't look at me. <laughs> it did that thing where it, like, froze. I'm, I'm hideous. <laughs> <laughs> it happened last time where it, like, froze, and then it started, like, flashing. Now it's, like, hardcore uh, flashing green. Uh, all right, we're going to do this again. We're gonna do, second round for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Round round two of webcam action. Are you plugged in with Ethernet, or? Yes. Oh, okay. So I wonder, huh, that's really weird. Um, it's actually kind of distracting at this point because it's like flashing so fast. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try and end it and then come back in real quick. <laughs> that is so weird. I sent the video to you, Jacob, if you want to check it out. He can't hear us now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> now he can't hear us. All right, cool. All right, it's he's back. <laughs> I'm back. Um, all right, so I don't know if there's anything specific you guys have that you want to talk about in terms of uh, this 
auteur-ish director, writer-director. Um, I guess we could talk about kind of like what sets her apart as a writer-director and I, arguably an auteur, I guess, depending on yeah. if you subscribe to that theory or not. Uh, we know Jacob loves the auteur theory. It is it is my favorite theory. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 subscribe. I, I definitely she, subscribe. These... Um, <laughs> These two movies are are very similar in their themes and reoccurring imagery, reoccurring audio yeah. styles. You know, they both do that slow down, like song track thing. Yeah, they're um, very like um, uh, it's not pop music, but it's like kind of pop culture music. Like yeah. it's it's you know, it's not it's all like uh, not cinema music. It's it's you know, like it's 80s like Tar- stuff. Like Tarantino like, would might use these tracks. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. in, in is it the Bad Batch? There is even like a track that sounds like it's out of Pulp Fiction. Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And which is funny you say that too. It's like because it's surf, you, right? Yeah, it's like a yeah, surfer yeah, sound. Yeah. Exactly. And um, it's funny that you say that though because in her IMDB picture is a, you know, it's her or whatever and her shirt says... Uh, Vincent and Jules and Marcellus and Mia is what her oh, shirt says. Uh, um, Bill Pulp Fiction reference there. Totally. And I think that's pr- when you watch these two movies, I think there's pr- two pretty obvious influences that come out. Um, like, you know, of her uh, cr- kind of created her style, I guess. Tarantino being the most obvious one uh, with the music choices, the kind of like offbeat violence that happens yeah. and kind of these offbeat characters um and then uh i think sergio leone is yeah, the other kind of obvious influence here you know with like the clint eastwood style westerns and stuff because both these movies are westerns right um at, like at their core they're westerns and then they mix in kind of the the other stuff the horror the drama the romance or whatever right and these kind of weird ass characters that, she that like place it plays second to because they're both more style over substance i think 100 um, yeah so oh, i think yeah. like the the style of the western is more important to the overall film than the actual themes of like the horror and the, right. you know what i mean yeah. which is, which is right. interesting <laughs> i would probably call her movies like neo-westerns yeah i think neo was because it's like yeah that's kind of She's yeah. doing like this like whole like using the the archetypes and the plotting and the 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 you know cuz like when you think of a western western is a, like the most typical westerns are like you know dude rolls into town uh the town has got all these problems you know there's some some under seedy underbelly of the town or some sort of like corruption running through the town right. he shows up inevitably gets involved in what's going yeah. on ends up having to kill off all the bad guys and then rides away with the woman at the end type of thing right, right? uh which you know pretty much sums up a girl walks home alone at night <laughs> yeah. if the dude is a chick and you know what i mean and she rides off they with literally the guy. ride off yeah. they literally right. drive off into the i mean darkness. he has to think about it he has to think about it but <laughs> yeah, he has to think about it a little bit, but it, I mean, he kind of right, knew. Yeah. Like he, you know. he has to think about that a lot. He gets out of that car, he thinks about it, and then he comes back. He <laughs> thinks about it for a long time. <laughs> An angel worth amount of long time. Oh, man. That was a terrible place to fit that in there. <laughs> no, there's more. 
so like yeah i i think she tries she definitely wears her style like you know on her sleeves or whatever that yeah whatever the yeah quite quite the literally term is. yeah yeah uh because you could, you could call it a neo western, but you could also call it like a punk western. You know, punk yeah, western, definitely. yeah, punk yeah, western. She has that good. punk. She has that punk vibe. Definitely, like super punk. Yeah, even yeah. like down to like the skateboarding vampire right. lately. You know, yeah. Chick, like yeah, which, there's skateboards which, in both of these movies. Yeah, which she was yeah. the stunt lady that she did rode that. the skateboard. She, she did the skateboard oh, nice. parts. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. What a punk. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, punk western, neo western, something along those lines, where she's pulling these older, these old genre, or at least an old genre, into this newer realm and adding, you know, kind of modern takes to it. I guess you yeah. know, modern characters. Yeah. It's in they both happen kind of either in present time or in the near future. You know, Bad Batch is kind of unspecified, but I mean. How far in the future would that really be? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, clearly, you know, a girl walks home alone at night. It's kind of like mixing time periods because, like, the only things you really see is like the old car. But then there's kind of like, and you know, the technology is kind of all over the place, yeah. right? Like, and she doesn't give you a whole lot of like. There's no like establishing shots of like. You know the world in a girl walks home alone at night. There's just like yeah. there's kind of like background, you know, like the refinery, but there's nothing establishing, right? Um, right. So you're kind of left to figure out what things are by just like looking at what they're interacting with. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So like, she, yeah, I think she pushes her style so far to the front that you're almost kind of like, wow, there's really almost no substance. You know what I mean? And I, there's other, you know, there's lots of directors, I think, that kind of get crapped on for that. I'd yeah. say Refn is probably up there really high yeah, as definitely. style over substance. Um, mm-hmm. Although I, I would disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, I do think it's interesting that she is so, so hardcore influenced by Tarantino, though. Like I just could not shake the Tarantino vibe from both of these movies while watching it. I couldn't shake the. I could shake that off. I couldn't shake the Leone though. Yeah, like I like can't. I just look at the whole time. I mean, because like with the with the anamorphic lenses and oh yeah, and stuff, dude, which hardcore I, like, anamorphic. I mean, yeah. like I had a, you know, I was drooling because <laughs> I love <laughs> I love anamorphic lenses, but I couldn't shake off that like that widescreen look right. that Leone has sure, sure. from from it. Um, but she, but I'm not going to lie, though. She uses it differently than Leone, though, because, like, Leone Certainly. does, like, the establishing shots, um, and he uses the face as, like, a landscape, but she doesn't really do that. Not in the same way. No, she turns the know? focus down on the characters. Yeah. Which so. is a weird thing because, like, her characters are cool, but you kind of get the feeling that there's not really anything below the that's surface. That's the thing, yeah. That's right, and I think that's maybe the difference because Leone, like, he was interested in the landscape physically, but in also the humans as like a landscape. Yeah, like they were a part of the land. You know, it's it's a western, right? Like, yeah. like western. It's in the genre. The, it's a it's a place, totally. um, and the people there are like monuments themselves. And and he filmed them like that, where like 
these grizzled men have have been part of the land and they have a history with the land and they live off the land and you know they live for the land too like but this isn't like that at all it's completely different it's just stylistically it's like the western but thematically it, they're tied differently together if that makes hmm. any sense well yeah because especially with like the first one uh you know she's pulling in the iranian side of things right. so you start yeah. to deal with like yeah. what iranian people thematically want to see right right, right. Using the West. That's the thing is her whole thing is she uses the Western. It's like sci-fi where like it's one of those big genres yeah. that's like it can exist as itself. And then you can fit a bunch of other things into it. It's just kind of like a, it's your backdrop to what's going on. Right. And that's that's kind of what she uses, uses it as. And then it's like, OK, here's, you know, these sort of like Iranian characters. Yeah. I think that's the freshest know, like, part of the film. Totally. The most original part was these things that we're all familiar with. But then, you know, to be honest, like I'm not very familiar with Iranian cinema and it's one of those cinemas that I'd like to get more into. So I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure if I was more familiar, I'd probably get more out of it too, you know? Totally, but, yeah, totally. I also think it's really cool that it takes place in uh, Iranian... Uh, bad city or whatever like the fake yeah. bad city right but it was right. shot uh in and around bakersfield yeah. california yeah. which, is, really which cool. is where she like lived or whatever um so like you know she views as and that's the, so that's the one thing I, I like like about her stuff is that she's really good at the world building yeah even though you don't get a lot of the world it's you get these just glimpses of this weird you know whatever world that she's created for the film and she creates cool characters and then she's got a cool naming, like the way she names her characters is interesting too. You know, she really likes the the archetype naming, like the princess, the yeah. vamp. You know, the, I love that too. Um, uh, yeah, I like that stuff. The dream, you know, yeah, the stuff dream, like that. Man. Uh, like, so yeah. like, that's cool, and it kind of makes it feel like she's pulling in uh, sort of these like characters from literature. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's basing her characters off of literary archetypes you know when you start to name it like that yeah. uh, so I like that but I just don't think she she doesn't I don't know she needs to dig deeper within her own stuff I feel like you know what I mean yeah I'm kind of curious to see what she's going to do with her next film which I don't know what it is but like I wonder because I don't want to I don't want to see her repeat herself Right. You know what I well, mean? Like, kind of, I wanted yeah, to exactly. do something a little bit different. And the, but the only downside is that, I mean, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night got rave reviews. I right. mean, it was really critically well accepted. Um, although I don't think it made a ton of money. Yeah, Bad they, Batch did yeah. not make money at all and actually yeah. kind of got crapped on, like, pretty hard. It was weird because, ne- like, neither of them made that much money. Okay, that's what I expected. But neither yeah. of them had... Bad Batch had a bigger budget, clearly. Yeah. But it had a $6 million budget. $6 million, which, mm-hmm. you know, went to sets and went to the actors, basically, yeah, yeah. beyond that. I mean... Right. Not you, Keanu, because that guy gives all his money back. Yeah, he probably yeah. didn't accept very much. Yeah. And then yeah. Jim Carrey was only... He probably only shot for, like, a couple of days. Yeah, I think which, right. Also, I, wanna, I just want to get to the... A little bit later, why he was even in the movie. Um... But then I think A Girl Walks Home Alone only had like 60 grand or something like that. Um, right. 
So that's what makes me wonder, like, how she got a hold of the technology, like the anamorphic lenses and yeah. stuff. Because, I mean, it's really... If there, there's one thing about that movie that I really enjoy, enjoy it's cinematography. Yeah. Like, it's really, really mm-hmm. well shot. Beautiful black and white, high contrast yeah. black and white. Um, the lighting is just super stark. It's kind of like noirish lighting. Um, and that part is really what keeps you going in yeah. that movie, I think. I, yeah. It's, they're both kind of a cinematographer, like, love fest. Yeah. You know, Definitely. like, they're both, uh, Lyle Vincent did the cinematography. Yeah. For both of them? For yeah. both of them. Okay. I think he might be, like, her, like, her go-to cinematographer, because he doesn't have a lot of credits, you know? Okay. He did, um, he did an Elmo movie. He did an Elmo movie? <laughs> yeah. It's like an Elmo movie or, uh episode or some shit oh interesting like El- elmo and Grouchland or something yeah, like that what funny. was his name lyle something? lyle vincent yeah. lyle, lyle vincent. vincent okay but um, uh but this is both these movies are very like like image Im- uh image forward like they're, they're 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 really interesting to to people who like want that visual eye candy like throughout totally like even like like some of the lighting in the movie um how it's like flickering and stuff was really interesting, especially in a girl uh, walks home alone at night, you know, how mm-hmm. it's kind of going in and out. Like I thought that was fascinating and it takes like a lot of technical knowledge to be able to pull that off or it was an accident, but it felt like it was intentional based on what the characters were saying, at least in my opinion. But, uh, I don't know. She also has like a very, um, I can tell she's, interested in visuals the same way as like harmony Crane is you know yeah like how it's how how she she's not i don't think i don't think what well, probably a lot of people fault her for which are like you know themes and stuff like that i don't think that's what drives it's not, her it's not really the point yeah of these i don't movies. think that's and that's what i think yeah. and that's kind of like correct Kareen and and uh Refn, so maybe that's why i like why I like her stuff so much, you know right. what I mean? Um, but um, I can, so I, I, I'm having a brain fart. Kareen is the one who did like Drive and Only God Forgives and Neon. That's Reffin. That's Reffin. Oh, that's Reffin. Yeah. Okay, and then, got it. Uh, Harmony Kren did like Spring Breakers and, and Trash Humpers. Trash Humpers and Gummo. Gummo. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Julian Donkey Boy. Julian Donkey Boy. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then what's the other? What's that one that about the uh, impersonator? What the hell is that? Oh, uh, Mr. Lonely. Mr. Lonely. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's crazy because she and she made a a girl walks alone home home alone at night, uh, twenty four days, and then wow. she made the Bad Batch in twenty eight days. Like really? I, I think I think Jesus. the Bad Batch one is more impressive. That's way days. more impressive, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it's longer; it's a longer movie by eighteen minutes or something like that. Yeah clocked in at almost two hours and that's the thing it feels like a long two hours too with that movie i feel like there was stuff that could have been chopped out of it yeah um i don't know i that movie's really interesting we because so i've saw i watched a girl walks home alone night like i don't know a couple years ago before and then we watched the bad batch and then girl walks home alone so like i watched them kind of out of order uh more recently and that one is it's really interesting seeing that one after the other one because there's like I don't know it just felt like a step backward almost 
in a few ways. Like I kind of, I just wish I you could see her. Like tr- she tried more. She tried to get bigger, but I I kind of just wanted to see. I don't know what I wanted to see. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I I like I like how she didn't really move where I would expect someone like her with the position of the success that she had with a girl walks home alone at night. Like she didn't do what I thought that she would do, mm-hmm. which I kind of have to respect in yeah. a weird way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Jack. It's kind of like Jackie Brown where like no one was going to expect Jackie Brown out of Quentin sure. Tarantino after Pulp Fiction, but then he did it. Um, and they are very similar yet also very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, right. and I felt like that she was maybe trying to do something like that, where it was like, you know, interested in some of the same things stylistically, but then you wanted to go in a completely different direction. But yet it, it, it at the same time, it's almost too similar. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's yeah, why it, I think her third movie is going to be important. It, it seems like her style of clashing a bunch of things together was what was similar between these two movies right you know right. like bringing the the western backdrop with um some just like mixing things that people hadn't really mixed before you know what you really have to do with every movie but it seems like the the, the tone of how like how she mixed these elements were very similar and if I, that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely feel what you mean. I think but I think what maybe the bad batch was maybe missing was that more of that personal vibe that I got from watching a, a girl walks home alone at night like because it's advertised as like this Iranian kind of film, I immediately kind of recognized it as kind of a personal film to her. Yeah. Since she's I from, you know, she's Iranian got descent. It. Whereas, you know, the Bad Batch, it's not has nothing to do with anything Iranian. There, I didn't get that like kind of personal. I think what it is is the way it's personal is like, oh, this is the type of music I like. This is these are the type of things that I have an interest in. But yeah. it's not like it doesn't touch her in that like mythical way, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. So like it feels kind of empty. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what I kind of missed with the bad batch from her um so maybe hopefully she can tap into something that's like more i don't know i don't i don't know how to describe that because in a way that's like the antithesis antithesis of like her style (laughs) because her (laughs) style doesn't she doesn't care about that right what yet is what i missed from it i don't know it's it's a weird it's a, she's got a weird style. She does lie. have a sort of eclectic <laughs> yeah. style. It's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think the the style over substance is true for for both these movies. But I think it's it is really hard to like say exactly like outside of like pointing at superficial things like body dismemberment and you know skateboards and Tarantino things <laughs> you I, know it's hard it's hard to like put a put words to it that's something that's actually really cool that in both the films is she's really into uh practical effects there's no CGI in any of the films so like all of the um 
scenes with her amputated limbs and the bad batch and stuff there's no cgi there it's all d- just camera angles so and no, that's not true it's, yeah how is it true that bad batch has no cgi in it like she, you, uh, she, you can't hide her arm the way that she has her arm yeah I don't know, dude, like dude, it's I, cgi'd out like this is certainly like, check it out, check you it can out. tell the leg was her leg like one he she puts on the actual like uh like prosthetic or whatever yeah like you could tell that it's her leg it's just painted up yeah well it's like you i mean not painted on set but like in post yeah well, I guess if, it you, could be if you look at like the knee too. and stuff like you could tell that it's actually her real leg if you're if you're yeah. actually paying attention i know i'm pretty sure that they advertised the movie as like you know there's no they CGI. had the cgi off her arm because there's literally she's I standing think, I, straight <sighs> at you and you she has no arm I think when they say there's no CGI in a movie, what they mean is there's no, like, giant monster that's a CGI monster. There's no, like, CGI character, you know? Yeah. Because, like, like, you you don't think of... Um, Gotta bring but, this movie up not, all the time. Not a, you don't think of Nightcrawler as a CGI movie, but there's a lot of CGI stuff going on in that right, movie. Right, but, but why would you advertise a film that doesn't have a monster in it and say there's no CGI in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> probably for the same reason probably for the same reason they uh marketed a girl who walks home alone at night as a spaghetti western or Iranian vampire film, you know. It's just like the her audience are the people who want that. You know, they want like that different kind of movie and the the people who like Anna Lily Amipour or uh, probably love her movies are probably sick and tired of all the CGI Mar- Marvel fests you know yeah uh, so I think that is it's almost like an anti uh, okay what am I there's a term there's a marketing term I can't remember what it is but it, it's like a like it's not that they're trying to appeal for to the movie, they're saying, "Hey, we're not like the other guys who are fucking up movies with CGI." You know right. what I mean? Like they're they're like the counter. There's a term for it. I don't know what it is. It's almost like counter programming, but but not. But I think that's why they marketed like that. But I still think there's CGI in the movie. There has to be. I mean, she's right here. She said she she used some matte paintings. Um, they had to figure out a way to build the wall, so either that was forced perspective, or I mean, the wall to me looked like it was digitally put in, but it could have been forced perspective. The, okay, okay, yeah, it says right here the whole like star scene that was definitely like a green that was a composited screen. shot, yeah, yeah, because totally. there's like no way you could shoot that with. Okay, so yeah, it says right here there's nothing in the film that was hundred percent created in CG, so there is a mix of visual effects and CG in practice. Yeah, so, so I was, think what they're saying is like there's no like CG world running around. There's no Avatar thing. Yeah, it says like which is not to say we didn't still require digital VFX work to sell the effect of like her missing her limb. Um, we would still need to remove Suki's actual arm from every single shot. No matter yeah. how I approached it, there would be a considerable amount of CG work. Anything we built would need to be cleaned up and ex- accentuated, so the next critical partner I had to find was a VFX supervisor who would come in and bring to life whatever Tony, who was the guy who did like the prosthetics, um, had started with his prosthetics. He would help me come up with a shooting strategy on set for every scene to make sure that we were shooting to facilitate the ideal results in post-production. So, yeah, I was wrong on that, but yet yeah, it's kind of cool that 
they didn't like oh we're gonna just do it and then like just like oh we're gonna have to CGI it out you know like they actually took the time to really because it's like a right. fucking five million dollar film like yeah they don't well, have yeah, a ton of money uh, to at, spend at on that, that point you kind of you kind of need someone you know when you right. don't have a lot of money you need to have that VFX guy on set who can who can understand because like if you do it wrong it's gonna be more expensive to fix it you know so you gotta have that person on set yeah this is super interesting so it says they they began by building one prosthetic nub for her front facing shots and a different one when i was shooting her from the back and sometimes a double nub with prosthetics on both sides her own arm was always somewhere behind or in front of her painted green um, and when there wasn't enough information to straight up key it out, they would use uh, the bust of her body to fill in those gaps. They only had, they also only had just 150 shots that they could have within their budget right. to CG out. So they had to be very specific about when they showed her arm and stuff and her leg. Um, wow. So that's kind of a cool thing to know. Like the fact that they quantified it to the point where they knew exactly how many shots in the movie would have that they could have, um, you know, and, and do those effects. Uh, so they had to very specifically go through the script to figure out, you know, how they would want to shoot some wider stuff so they didn't have to show her arm or, you know, show just the face or stuff like that. Right. Um, That's kind of cool because it's, you know, they always say, like, create, creativity is best when it's limited in a certain way. And right. I feel like that's kind of limit, limiting it in a in a positive way, you know. It, it's also impressive too, like Suki Waterhouse. I mean, she's a model; like she just she's not an actress, but she actually is able to pull off the film. I mean, doing all the kind of like stunt work, you could say. By, I mean, it it would be hard for anybody to to carry a movie pretending that they're missing <laughs> arms, you know, or let you know limbs, right? Like to be able to like walk around the desert, you know, with like this thing that's going to completely affect how you walk and you know what I mean? Like, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, how, yeah. I, like, could Meryl Streep do it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, she's, she's pretty old though, but that's not even <laughs> like her like style of like acting too. Right. But I mean like you Daniel Day-Lewis could do it. Uh, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about Daniel Day-Lewis, though, so yeah. it's kind of a... So it says here, too, that they had the rare uh, privilege of shooting this film almost entirely in chronological order, um, <clears throat> which is really weird to me, too, shooting it in chronological order, having those bigger actors, because, like, they definitely had to shoot Jim Carrey out, like, right away. Like, you know what I mean? They're not shooting him one day and then two weeks later shooting right. him, right? They're right. shooting out, especially right. with his, like, crazy costume that he had on. Yeah. Um, That's probably what they mean by almost entirely is, yeah. like, well, we have Jim Carrey for four days. We got Keanu for, for four days. But the rest of the stories was probably shot in, and it's in D- order. Diego Luna, right? The DJ. Uh, was that, is that Diego what his Luna? name is? Um, oh yeah, a Jimmy. Yeah, they like these people just make that these weird Diego appearances. Luna. Like the, he's like gets these close ups, and then he's like like you don't even really know who he is. He's just a <laughs> yeah. DJ. Like what? Yeah, I I didn't know Jim Carrey was the hermit until this like later in the film. 
It's super you know. hard to tell. Yeah, and they yeah, hide it, obviously, really too. Yeah, even Keanu, like, it was hard to tell that was Keanu right away for me. I think it's super interesting that she modeled him after, like, Jim Jones. From, you know, the Jonestown uh, cult leader or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, he almost is a direct, like, pull. The sunglasses, the whole, like, commanding voice, being surrounded by women, like, running uh, the compound with, like, you know, drugs and guns and stuff like that. And, like, you know, calling himself something ridiculous, like the dream. The dream, yeah. You know, the you, dream, yeah. If you want to be in the dream, the dream's got to be in you or whatever. It's, like, It's also very close to a film called The Boy and His Dog, which I think I've mentioned oh, before. Heard, yep. And it's, it's you know, a post-apocalyptic film. Uh, about a guy, a, a young man and his dog, and his they have a telepathic communication, and the dog helps him find women. <laughs> oh, is that what? I only seen part of that movie, like the it's beginning so part good, of that dude. movie. It's yeah, so good. I keep meaning to watch it. At the end, well, towards the end, you know, they meet this like kind of the same sort of thing, where it's like this sanctuary, and it's kind of run by this group of people, kind of like characters, kind of like, you know, uh. Ke- Keanu Reeves character um, kind of interesting so it's definitely kind of like an homage there what I don't understand is why even have like okay well besides the obvious answer of having these named actors and actresses in the film help sell the film yeah but right. why like their roles were so insignificant in this movie I think I think like both Keanu Reeves and Jim Carrey are both people that they've done everything like they don't they don't they 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 don't i think they don't care they don't care i think i think they both vibed with like her her aesthetic and her style and was probably just down to just do something crazy for a few days you know what i mean that's kind of the feeling that i got yeah i get the feeling i think i mean i get the feeling that they like just did it for the shits of like yeah. they weren't paid a ton of money to do it right you know and they were kind of just like sure and, like, and they you know if they liked her previous film and, and and probably like you know what this will you know having me in the movie is going to give her a, a a jump start or right. you know what i mean like i think you know they're aware of that too so maybe that could be another reason is just like yeah you know what you know if you can get right. Keanu Reeves in their movie, I mean, it's just like it's just funny because you know Keanu Reeves is in the Neon Demon, you know, and his part is so fucking insignificant in that. But you could tell he had to fucking blast doing it, you know. Like, yeah. I think he's just one of those kind of guys. Is if he vibes with you and like he'll fuck with you, you know, like he'll 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 be in your film. Um, for yeah, and plus like the a lot of like after an actor makes a bunch of money, some of them will either retire some will try to make more money and some will kind of go into the art house scene to try right. and you know redis like redefine like what acting is for them or to them and you know when you have a filmmaker like Anna Lily I'm, I'm a poor come around and and uh, make this like huge movie that's well huge from the critics perspective and and from the audience perspective too I guess but it didn't receive a ton of box office because it was so small but it was such like a big t- talked about movie like why would you say no to to being offered a role right yeah. for that right. you know especially when you're in that part of your career where you know you're you, you don't need any money you know I'm sure Jim Carrey gets a freaking fat ass paycheck every <laughs> single month from all of his amazing that's movies true. that he was that's in that's true huh? and yeah. Keanu Reeves same deal um 
So they're, you know, they're not looking to make it big. They're they're looking to what Byron said, have fun or try and um, you know, get get some recognition as an amazing actor, you I mean, know. It's yeah. kind of cool cuz like Jim Carrey, I mean, he's such a vocal actor too. Like in all of his movies, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's he's like vocal and physical, right? And in this yeah. movie, he's not. Yeah, he literally you know? doesn't say a word. Yeah, yeah. So and like, he's I, very still. Yeah, he's very still. Yeah. So it's like you could tell. I think you know. I think he's and 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 with the the attention that he's been seeking, or not seeking but gaining um, from you know TMZ and stuff. I, you know, I think he's at a interesting point in his life, and I think he probably is just searching for something that might be. Is different, you know. What's his uh, TMZ stuff? Is he going downhill? He's yeah. He, he had some like heavy shit happen in his life. With, like, yeah, a death like of, like a girlfriend or something. His, his, like, girl, oh, his longtime wife, girlfriend yeah. committed suicide. Yeah, and that's what it was. On the note, she kind of blamed him and something oh. about he gave her an STD. And I think he's also been one of those like depressed comedian right types right. too. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, and he was on these meds and and he kind of he's been acting crazy like on red carpets and saying all this stuff because he doesn't give a fuck anymore you know and then that movie came out on Netflix a couple months ago about Man on the Moon the making of Man on the Moon oh the documentary about him right yeah that's right I forgot about and then that kind of just kind of like it was like Jim and Andy or something right and and, and it kind of like said didn't he kind of lose himself in the role or something like that he became Andy Kaufman essentially and like couldn't it's a pretty good documentary separate himself out yeah but yeah, so he's just been kind of he has attention he he has attention on him right now that he hasn't had in a while. You know what I mean? Because when was sure. the, when was the last big film he did? You know, <laughs> like a series of unfortunate events, which was like what <laughs> mid two thousands, right? <laughs> which wasn't like well loved by people, right? When, when did the Grinch come out? The Grinch came out around then two thousand two, early two thousands. Yeah. yeah. Early, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't. Huh. He's kind of been more in the supporting role, if anything. Yeah. He's put in a in a movie. Um, I I really like his character though. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those types of characters that yeah, are these weird yeah. like. So in the IMDb credits, he's called the Hermit, <laughs> uh, but yeah. he's he's there, he's one of those characters that's like a god character, where he's like I mean nothing about him makes sense. He's wandering around a desert. <laughs> if somehow he's still alive. The cannibals don't eat him. Yeah. The people from Comfort don't give a shit. Like, he just passes through. Yeah. And, like, the he has the information that people need. Like, he tells, you know, like, find comfort. Like, tell, he tells uh, Jason yeah. Moe to go find comfort. And he's like, but I want you to draw me first, you know? Like, and he's just kind of goofy. And, yeah. like, I don't know. I just love those god characters that just are, like rolling around in the world yeah. and for some reason they're just outside of everything you know what i mean like it, it's right. just he's just a really interesting character um so like just they're almost like a narrator almost he's almost a, yeah, yeah he's yeah, almost yeah. like he's like yeah like i don't know the only way i can really describe it is like a god character really i don't yeah. know how else to like yeah. really it's like that i don't know how to pronounce it it's like it, it's almost like uh anna lily amapore that's like her almost like 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 that's that's the character closest to her yeah in a sense of like he's got all the answers right it's just yeah. like the screenwriter right. so like screenwriter, i don't know how to, yeah. know how to ex- exactly explain that but no what, you, what you're saying is like the like they're the all-powerful um like the screen when you're writing a screenplay you are god you know? yeah so you're you're controlling the destination 
of these characters and what you're defining like how they're supposed to get there so uh what you're saying is the hermit in this case is kind of uh anna lily amarpour telling her character to go do something yeah because i feel like because yeah. he, he has all like you said he has all the answers it seems like yeah it's like that do do ex machina or something i forget how oh, that's it, different that's a different because that's like that's when like something happens in the in the story that like wraps is, it all is, up it, it, no right, it's like it's it's a it's a solution to a problem that is essentially like god came in and fixed and it fixed all. it yeah yeah like uh, there's no like there's no basis as to why it happened it's just kind of right. like well like ch- like children of the corn right or wait no 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 no. oh my god what's the um <laughs> shit not children of the corn not children of men I what's hope. the I famous know. uh uh is it is it do s machina or do sex machina? It's yeah d d e u s e x machina machina and yeah. it's yeah because I, I I would Fuck. get <laughs> in college <laughs> my professors would always give me shit. It's yeah for, it's a literary term that. for like yeah. for bad essentially bad writing. Well, is what it amounts it's to. Not, well, it, a lot of people it, look at it as bad yeah. writing, but it's not necessarily bad writing. It could be bad writing. I mean, it's like 99% of the time bad writing because, like, you're not well, supposed to have a plot point that just, like, you know, well, like... Well, that's, that's someone saying you're not supposed to. I don't know. Like, I... I the, the professors loved my writing. They just didn't like how I ended shit, which is how I always ended it. I always ended it, like, the main characters, like, this is a bad example, but, like fucking died from some random fucking thing that had nothing to do with the story you know what i mean like they're just like god damn it byron yeah and they're like <laughs> why like why that's just you right. putting your hand in killing your character for no fucking reason that's the way they used it for me yeah. not like i most people I, will view it as bad writing right. okay here, we, it, here we go long, here yeah. we go it is children of the corn i was right have you guys seen this movie <laughs> no. no i've read the short seen... story though oh okay so you know at the end of children of the corn is just like uh, like God comes down and destroys everything, right? Like in the movie, right? And that's and so it just ends like in that kind of fashion. See, I like that shit though. Yeah, but so and it like it sort of comes out of nowhere. It's just like uh, the let's see, a storm appears over the cornfield. They read a passage in the Bible which implies the cornfield must be destroyed to stop the false god. So they spray it with gasoline and. And, uh, yeah, basically God just comes down and See, starts I, so fucking almost shit literally. See, I like that sort of like, stuff because it pisses people off. Yeah, but that's not, that's not a reason, that's not a good so, way to piss not, people it, off. It's not I bad, love it. though. I love, I love but it. Okay, so <laughs> the corn is, is a classic. It's, it's well-received. Uh, people love it. People loved it in the box office. Uh, so... You can, can like be... a movie and have issues, like have it, have, you know, what I mean? like yeah. There's things about right, it that like, can be bad, right? I mean, I just... This is like, it's kind of a big, like, uh, its return was very healthy considering the Dusex Machina thing. So that that isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. It is just uh, a choice, and it has to like fit the rest of the movie somehow. See, this is this is the example I was thinking of too. The Eagles in uh, Lord of the Rings when the eagles just show up and like take him away 
Yeah, that's true. And even Tolkien referred to it, quote, as a dangerous machine. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like you're kind of riding the line of it just yeah. being bad writing. See, I've never used it like that, Right, though. but that's that's totally different, though. Yeah, I've never used it like that. Now, that's more so what this I would is say the, lazy this is the, or bad that's, writing. That's not really Deus Ex Machina. Deus yeah, Ex Machina... Is that Deus Ex Machina? So here, here's the definition. The term has evolved to mean a plot device whereby a seemingly unsolvable problem is suddenly and abruptly resolved by the inspired and unexpected intervention of some new event, character, ability, or object. Its function can be to resolve an otherwise irresolvable plot situation to, a surpri- to surprise the audience, to bring the tale to a happy ending, or act as a comedic device. So basically it means yeah. here we are at the edge of a cliff, and we're being pushed off, and all of a sudden, yeah. an eagle flies in and catches us. Yeah, and that's and that's more what I would say like would be like bad writing. But see, I never used it for a comedic effect or for it to resolve a happy ending. Right. Like yeah. like I, I I didn't use it like that at all. Um, Ch- Children of the Corn does the opposite. <laughs> right. Like it, the ending of it is is uh, pretty bleak. You know, for but it is Deus Ex Machina. So. I mean, it's interesting too because we are saying that's a literary term; it's not necessarily a filmic term. Term, term, even though well, they're basically interchangeable because the screenplay is so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it totally applies because it's like about like what it's about plot, right? You know? So it's like a plot thing. The Deus Ex Machina device has many criticisms attached to it, mainly referring to it as inartistic, too convenient, and overly simplistic. On the other hand, champions of the device say that it opens up ideological and artistic possibilities. Uh, Aristotle in Poetics uh, apparently criticizes the use of the device. Um, Modern critics continue criticizing it as an inept plot device, Um, although it apparently has continued to be employed... um, Obviously, uh, like I wrote this, I wrote this like story. It was like a Western story. Right. And at the beginning of the story, this guy's like, it's like these cavalry guys are chasing these. They're basically on the hunt for these native Americans. And they're a group of renegade native Americans that they're trying to kill. At the beginning of the story, the, the horse, one of the cavalry men's horses gets like bit by a snake and, he his horse dies and he has to like get uh, he has to like basically ride with this other guy on his horse because they need you know he's not gonna walk it and then at the end of the movie or at the end of the, the my story there's this like crazy battle right and all these people die and these the cavalry guys like they win then they're going back to the fort and at the very end they're like at their campfire stuff like that right and and then all these snakes come from nowhere and they kill the, the cavalry guy and everybody the whole cavalry group that's not really do that's mine but that, that's what they that, but that's what but that's what they they they're like why like why did you have all these snakes come up and kill them for no reason and that's what they that's what they quote accused me of was they said this is <laughs> do x whatever and they're like, there, there's no reason. And I'm like, well, but the fucking snake was at the beginning of the movie. Like, that's what I'm like. The snake is like represents like like life, like shit that happens. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Or it could be like a God thing, you know? Like What? what yeah. No, I think I mean, I think I think you're spot. I think the problem is, is that other other people who don't get it are like are push the 
you know, they, they share with other people like, hey, don't ever do that. Right. You know? And that's that's bad that that happens because so many films do it. Lord of the Rings, an Academy <laughs> Award winning movie who made a, a kajillion dollars does it. Yeah. So then why the hell are we holding all the amateurs to the same responsibility? Monty Python's Life of Brian has one with the alien spaceship thing. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't. And uh, like that's played off as for comedy, you know. <laughs> Which, in that sense, I become but, a little more okay with it because it, they're almost satirizing the idea of the plot device. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, they're kind of making fun of it. Yeah, but totally, at, at the same totally. time, there if other films are doing it, what it's it's it falls in same conversation for me as uh, having a, a voice narration over the movie. Like, oh god, if. If <laughs> it's the same thing, bring to it me. on. <laughs> Here's why it's the same thing. Other people say you cannot do this, and if you go watch movies that made a kajillion dollars, and including artistic movies, including big box office, they will do it. You know, well, I, I, so why why are we saying don't ever do this thing? It's like the voice narration in The Wolf of Wall Street, which totally fucking works. And then people say, don't do voiceover narration. And, uh, yeah, don't do it. Oh, why can't I do it? Uh, I saw that uh, Tarantino did it. or I, I'm sorry. I saw that Martin Scorsese did it. Why can't I do it? Oh, he's Martin Scorsese. Uh, he can do it because he's Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, I That's think, bullshit. No, I think, it is, I think it is bullshit. And I think it's we are willing to forgive things that we like really want to enjoy. Like, you know, a lot of people will forgive essentially crappy writing in marvel because they're super stoked to see right, superheroes on right. screen right yeah. like that like people are willing well, to all, forgive it's all a lot taste it's all taste anyways so one person's crappy writing is someone else's amazing writing you know well that's i mean that's what i was getting to i mean like my professors and my fellow peers they liked my writing like they liked how i wrote my stuff they just didn't like what i wrote about and it was taste and they, because they couldn't fault me on like how I wrote, they fault they 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 have to put fault or critique me some way, right? Because it's a fucking college, like, and they yeah. said and they just didn't like how I how I my the themes and and how I came about like with my shit. And I feel like Anna Lily Am- Amapore could could fall into that sort of thing where like the critics like they. They they understand that they can't fault her they can't fault her technique like she's obviously she knows what she's doing but they ha- they have to, how how are they going to critique the film they're going to critique right. her because there's no like quote substance I guess that's what I'm trying to say I don't know it's kind of a it's it, I don't know it's it's a hard I mean people are always going to find things to to pick on exactly, obviously. Exactly. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're unfounded. Sometimes right. they're unfounded. Oh, definitely. But like, yeah, yeah. Right. I think. I think. It, the, sorry, percent agree. I just want to wrap this this do sex mind up thing real quick and just say I think the biggest problem, at least from my perspective, of that plot device is that it makes your whole movie be like, why then didn't they just do that in the first place? Like yeah, the, the yeah, eagle yeah, thing yeah, in Lord of the Rings yeah. is, is the people bitch about that because it's right. like, well, why didn't they just fucking ride the eagles into right. Mordor and yeah. just end it right away? Exactly. Because you wouldn't have a story, yeah. but. That I get that, but it's like okay, then don't introduce, right? Just kill them off or something. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Don't don't introduce the eagles. Because he could have said like, that the eagles could have been killed by fucking orcs at you know in the Fellowship of the Ring era. You know, like that. 
part or of something. the yeah, yeah like, you there's, know there's a, it's the problem with the device is that it creates a moment where you're like okay why couldn't this just happened right, right away right. and the obvious answer is well you wouldn't have a story but at the same time it's like you it's like the dream thing too when you wake up and it's, oh, everything's been a dream and then your whole the story yeah. gets undercut <laughs> it's the same thing and when a do sex mind a device shows up at the end you're kind of just like okay well now the rest of the film is just kind of st- right why did i watch that? Knows. I, feel, I feel like there's <laughs> there's a time where that works like there's a time where all these things work you know like the MacGuffin in pulp fiction that that works the briefcase right. is a MacGuffin. Right. Right. It, there's, it doesn't matter what's in it. It's a fucking MacGuffin. What's in the briefcase? You know? Well, wait. MacGuffin. I was just reading about that. MacGuffin is when the characters are pursuing things without any sort of reason as to why they're pursuing it, right? Yeah, that's what the briefcase is in Pulp Fiction. But their reasoning is that they're trying to get it back for Marcellus Wallace. Right, but it's it's not given... There's no... We We don't... We're not given a reason for why. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're not getting... We don't know what's in the thing, and we don't know why he wants it. Right. Well, we know... Well, yeah, we don't so know that, why Marcellus so Wallace a, wants a, it. That's a MacGuffin. It's the golden book of foot massages. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> no, but... um. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, all, the all dream one though, is the worst. Yeah. The dream one is the worst. Like, honestly, if I see any fucking movie that does that made, like, from now on, like, it's, like, why? I don't get it. I'm going to find a counterexample. I'm going to Google it because I can't name one off the top of my head. <laughs> Best films with that that were dreams doing it. Well, I know, but but those are older, though. It's been done. It's been done too many times. And like even like the usual suspects, it's like Oh yeah, with that twist at the end. Yeah. Cuz it's like did I really have to see the movie? You know what I mean? But sometimes it's important. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's all like you said, it's all about taste, so. Yeah, it is all about taste. Okay. It was a dream, really? Best worst best and worst. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. So the owl an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. That's like the one that's famously a dream, right? Uh, Jacob's Ladder is kind of like that. Definitely, I was just about to say you can that. Look at yeah. that, um, Aubrey Loso House. Yep. Um, Wizard of Oz. Let's see. These are all old. Let's get to an American Werewolf in London. Really? I guess we were drunk when we watched that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It was like a weird thing. I I need to look more into this MacGuffin thing because they're saying a lot of a lot of movies like Hitchcock uses the MacGuffin a lot and stuff like that. Classic example. Oh yeah, Drive. Yeah, yeah. And that's like modern enough. Mulholland Drive. All right. To be fair, that one's a little more complex than just saying it's like they wake up and it's a dream. It's because it's not necessarily that and like Lynch's films are so rooted in dreamlike atmosphere anyway that it's hard to even like he's one of those ones okay where it's like okay I can maybe forgive you for that because right, so, it's so say, say it you should say it what say David Lynch can do it because he's David Lynch no well no I'm saying say I'm not saying it. that <laughs> I'm not saying he's because he's David Lynch I'm saying because his movies get so rooted in one thing it tends to work for like the what he's doing because his movies are so dreamy anyway that you're just kind of like right. 
it doesn't even matter that it's a dream. You're just kind of tripping out while you're watching it. You know what I right. mean? Like, right. Like when they when he goes into the radiator, like the radiator man is in there. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. That it's it's not even a dream because there's like no context. Wait, the radiator lady, right? Yeah, the radiator. Yeah, yes, sorry, radiator lady. Yeah. <laughs> not, not man. <laughs> this is 2018. Could be a man. Could be a woman. I don't know. I really need to look Could more into this MacGuffin thing because, like, apparently it's used way more than I thought it would be. And, like, they're saying even in the MCU, the Infinity Stones serve as MacGuffins. So, like... A MacGuffin is, like, what you order at McDonald's, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an egg I, MacGuffin? I, yeah, I get the sausage MacGuffin. <laughs> so, just so everyone knows, a MacGuffin <laughs> is a plot device in the form of some gold-desired object or other motivator that the protagonist pursues, often with little or no narrative explanation. We we should totally do a Deuces Machina or MacGuffin episode. Yeah, on that, the would podcast. Be, that would be pretty cool. Because like Children of the Corn is the quintessential Deuces Machina, and it that kind of ruins it, knowing that that's what's going to happen at the end. But there's really no way to avoid that if that's what the episode like if that is the episode that we're going. But I, I bet a lot of people who are reading the book. Uh, this was a book, right? It's yeah, a short story book. or like a novella or something. It was novella. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a short one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Stephen King. It's actually yeah. really creepy to read because, like, the beginning of it is super. It's just really bizarre. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know? the the movie is the same way. I haven't read the book, but the the movie is because they made a couple insane. different movies because they did like the first one and then they made other. Yeah, ones, they made sequels and stuff off of it. Yeah, and then there was the band, the corn or corn. <laughs> Corn, yeah, corn with a K. <laughs> so entirely different, right? right. ADD right. over here. Right, ADD. Um, but they have that. They have a song called "Children of the Corn." Oh, I'm do pretty they? Sure. That's and, so, yeah, so that's why. There's that's also so like a, a bunch of children who became kings, too. Oh shit! Name Stephen. And King starts with a K. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of happening right now, oh instead of God. calling children, you could do kids. All right. uh, Stephen King's Kids of the Corn. Corn of the K, obviously. Corn Kids. We're, King's we're all, Corn Kids, the KKK. We're all like, um, we're all like sleep deprived, deprived or something. Deprived. Yeah, we're sleep deprived. <laughs> uh, I can't even talk. All right, let's do a quick round table and then we can do some takeaways where you can weekend recommends, etc., etc. Um, okay, let's do it. So I want to know what Jake, I want to know Jacob's opinion first. Because I get the feeling you didn't like either movie. Um, <laughs> and uh I'm going to say that you liked Bad Batch more because it was less, um, what, what was the term you used? Pretentious. Pretentious. There you go. Pretentious <laughs> and uh, had slightly more substance. At least, I, uh, at least to you, I think you used to think he was slightly more substantial. Yeah, I'm totally agreeing. I think you picked, I think you liked the Bad Batch more. I think mainly because Jim Carrey and Keanu Reeves are in it <laughs> because you felt the oh. other one was, you felt the other one was too pretentious even though i know that you probably liked it on a technical level it's it was not up your alley it was up your brown alley (laughs) (laughs) is up the brown alley to to downtown i think i think you liked suki i think you liked suki waterhouse and that was maybe the reason why the bad batch might be more 
favorable. Go. Oh, can we just talk for sorry one second about the fact that she cut her character's limbs off in the first like ten minutes of the I movie? Know, that's so cool. Like that's really ballsy to do. Yeah. I I thought there was gonna be a do sex minor device where like Jason Momoa shows up and like knocks the person out. I was like, no, we're not gonna cut your limbs yeah. off. But no, they fucking cut her arm yeah, and leg off, and that's how she walks around for the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. I love it. <laughs> like that was just I don't know. Yeah, I like I like that concept. I too. love cool. I love extreme. Uh, like uh, extreme things that happen to your protagonist right yeah. away, where you're like, "Whoa, they went through with that." Okay, like, now where do we go from here? Roman Falonsky playing the character in Chinatown, where he cuts Jack Nicholson's nose, and and then the rest of the movie he's he got, got his fucking thing, yeah. nose yeah. bandage on, which is great. I love it. But yeah, I wish I wish more movies would go so far as to screw with their protagonist yeah, yeah. that hard, you know. Uh, but anyway, oh yeah, sorry, little little tangent there. I like that part. Um, did you guys both guess? Oh yeah, you yeah. guys did. Um, <laughs> it's the BB yeah, baby. I, I mean, you guys are both right that I like Bad Batch more, but it's not because Keanu Reeves or <laughs> Jim Carrey's in the movie. That's so superficial. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get two shits that they're in the movie. You're such a superficial guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm all about uh, that hunk, Jason Momoa, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's what I like. Super sexy, Jason Momoa. <laughs> Yeah, really. You guys. I mean, you guys are both right. Um, neither of these movies are really my kind of movie. Um, I, I get why people like them, and it's really just a matter of taste as to why I don't like them. Uh, I'm if my preference for a movie, if it had to lean somewhere, it would be substance over style. Um, but to me, there's not enough substance here to be interesting to me. Um, it was hard to tell what the characters wanted, what their goal was. It was hard to tell what the themes were outside of superficial things. Like, a uh, girl walks home alone at night feels like it's it started out being like this anti. You know, you know how like when a girl walks home alone at night, they're like afraid of boys stalking them. Well, this like flips it, right? So this is right. like boys afraid of uh, girls. You know, um, Ew, cooties. You know, cuties, yeah, boys and girls. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of neat, but like that wasn't enough to like, like that. That's a cool short film idea, um, but as far as the the style of the movie, um, I, I definitely need some more substance there. But that that's why I like Bad ba- uh, the Bad Batch more because I I, I liked the um, that there was some substance to it. To it. Uh, the girl walks home alone at night just felt like it was I I just honestly I had such a hard time with both these movies <laughs> oh, which is funny because you're the one who kind of like said oh we should I do suggested this. it yeah. right well because I wanted to do it but the like like we they should she should change her name to Angel Lily Emma Poor because my god like just fucking cut, dude. Like that's what I'm thinking. Like the in, during the movies, like it's like, please just <laughs> please cut. Like I if, if if I were editing these movies, I would have pushed to cut sooner. But I I I know that that is her style, and it's like her punk thing, and it's part of her like punk style to like hold on it longer than you would necessarily want. But I had a hard time getting into it for those reasons that's fair oh I, there's one thing i wanted to bring up as well real quick because uh, while we were talking i was kind of reading a little interview that she did um 
because we were talking about her influences and whatnot, and uh, she, this is what she says uh, in her interview. She says, I grew up watching westerns with her dad. Dad loves westerns. I don't like a lot of the older stuff. And the guys, like, the interviewers, like, like the John Ford type stuff. And she's like, yeah, no, I need that Leone. I need the more poppy stuff, early Clint Eastwood. And then she go, uh, he's like, um, people keep making Mad Max comparisons to Bad Batch 2, and I sometimes wonder if that's the only blah 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 whatever movie I've seen and she goes I'm cool with it as long as they're talking about the OG Mad Max I personally didn't care for the newest one the interviewer was like crazy why and she's like I just had a problem with that giant water faucet it was dumb and too absurd (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh she's like I don't know why everybody liked it it's just got the goofy dude with the thing that he breathes through and then the CGI layered onto it and I don't get it and she goes on to say that like the OG Mad Max kind of trickled into her writing of Bad Batch and stuff like that, which you can kind of see. Right. Uh, but I just wanted to point out that, yeah, she specifically states that she was super into Leone, so... Yeah, that's cool. You know, we yeah, can feel that influence. It's cool that she's... She is who she is. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can I can really appreciate that. Because right? there's, there's nothing worse than watching a filmmaker try to, like, not be something that you know, try to, like, present something that they're not. Right. You know? Um, I guess Bad Batch was kind of like that. But not in the worst way. You know? It was still, like, her up there, you know? Right. And I can re- I can really appreciate that. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I but at- Keanu Reeves and Jim Carrey. I don't care that they're in this movie at all. <laughs> I think it's neat. Are you not like, fans of I, either one of them? Like, just oh, as no, actors? Oh, no, both of them are awesome. Oh, okay. I, I love both of them. I just, like, as far as them serving the movie, I, um, I like, that is not the reason why I like Bad Batch more. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I, I just said that because I felt that you're such, like, a Jim Carrey kind of guy because of the comedy, that he might be, like, God status, and that no matter what he's in, it would just elevate it to another level. <laughs> right. Well, he, wasn't he God in Bruce Almighty or yeah, something? Yeah, he, he gets, yeah, he becomes or God. Or he gets God powers. Yeah, God, God, Morgan, yeah. Morgan Freeman is God. But he yeah. makes him God, essentially. He makes him God, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he is already God to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I want to, I know Byron really likes both of these movies, so I kind of want to leave him for last, just because I'm not Let's sure which, which one I, I, yeah, let's do Keith. Let's do Keith. Yeah. Uh, oh, you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm. I'm kind of thinking you might like a girl walks a home alone at night more. I think that black and white. I think yeah. just kind of nailed it for you. I think it's kind of just like because I think if there's a black and white film because there's not a, there's not a lot are getting made you know these days and the ones that are are either really shitty or really good and then this one's like really good and I think that might just kind of be it I think maybe the bad batch had the potential there but it maybe just didn't it fell short at by the end of the movie I don't think maybe you like it didn't end maybe how you were kind of wanting it to end or something I'm not entirely sure but I feel like a girl walks home alone at night is more your up your alley yeah, I love it. Theme when, wise and aesthetically, love it when girls walk home alone at night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta go. So oh, shit, are we recording this? See you guys later. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
gross. Um, so I'm going to say Girl Walks Home Alone at Night as well. Um, biggest thing is the black and white because it's done really well in this movie. You know, And I think a lot of people n- can look at it and be like, this is a really good example of how to do black and white really well um, from a stylistic you know, standpoint, from the aesthetic. Um, uh, I think you like it. I don't know. I think I think this is I, I think uh this is a filmmaker that you really like. Um or actually I'm going to retract that. I'm going to I'm going to say you you you're I'm going to say you're not a fan of these types of movies, but you the reason you like a a girl walks home alone at night is because they did the black and white so well. But I I would say you didn't like either of these movies. Like he respected the choices made um aesthetically. <laughs> Yeah, like you re- you liked the and then Bad Batch you were just like meh about, <laughs> but you liked the the fact that there at, like at least there was black and white in uh, a girl walks home alone at night, you know. So it gave you like some eye candy. Yeah, I mean that's pretty fair. Definitely the the just absolutely amazing cinematography of that movie, and apparently it was shot on Alexa, which I think oh. is. Really weird, considering Shit, yeah. how low the budget was. Oh, um, is that the name of the girl who walks home alone at night? On Alexa? What? Oh, Alexa? No, it was... <laughs> what? I'm so confused. It was shot on an Ari Alexa. I don't know <laughs> if you're just making a bad joke or if you didn't hear that, but... Uh, okay, it was a good okay. joke. You just didn't get it. Uh, okay. okay. Well, uh, Same with everyone else, probably. You, you keep believing that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the... the the cinematography of it cinematography of both movies was pretty good but obviously the black and white like it's just yeah it's master class um i did like it more than bad batch so you guys are right um but so when i first watched the movie i thought it was super awesome like super good um watching it this time around it actually i liked it less it went from like a four to a three um and then bad match kind of like two and a half you know like i just there was just a lot of like I like, I don't mind style over substance, you know, um, but your style or what you're choosing to do has to have some, like, the, the Bad Batch, stuff was happening and stuff existed in the world that just didn't make sense. Yeah. And it, for, like, no other reason than she just, I don't know, then it was just in there. Like, there was just a yeah. lot of glaring problems where it's like, that's fine if you if your world is consistent that's yeah. what that's what gets me i love world building but your world has to make sense for your own world right if it's breaking its own rules or there's no cohesion to your world then like in bad batch it's kind of like well this doesn't work and then you start noticing all the ridiculous shit you know um, yeah it pulls you out yeah like the, the suspension of disbelief is gone totally and i think the biggest thing that I can think of, for example, is that is like that last scene where they have the fire and they're sitting and eating the rabbits, like, and then they built the fire and all the rocks, and it's like, where the fuck did you get rocks from? In this, heat? like, they show like the, this expanse of sand they're yeah. sitting in. Where did you go to get all these rocks from? And the shit to burn, make a fire. And how did you make a fire? Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird things <laughs> like that where it's like, how did you do this? Why is it like that? Like, well, right. you know what I mean. Like, it just she goes and walks to where he's where he got yeah. shot at 
And they just drove a scooter for days trying to get back to comfort. And she just walked wherever the fuck. And people are walking around, like, no clothing on, in the sun. Like, I don't know. There's lots of weird shit like that. It's kind of like, you could have done something more, better better with that. Um, I don't know. But Girl Walks Home Alone is cool. But I definitely noticed the, the lack of substance and kind of the weird plotting with this one this time around because like when you first watch it you're so wrapped up in its in its eye candy that you kind of forgive a lot and then you start to really pick at it and you're kind of like well it didn't really it wasn't as cohesive as it could be uh so they're both kind of you know sort of meh for me i would i i would watch a girl walks home alone again probably but i don't think i'd rewatch the the bad batch um uh that's fair so yeah all right let's do byron real quick um, I'm gonna say Girl Walks Home Alone at Night over Bad Batch mainly because of tone and style of that movie it's darker obviously um, even though Bad Batch is pretty dark in what it does um, but yeah I think it's just more more, and it's more of a western it's more of a Leone right. western which we know that's like your favorite genre essentially <laughs> so like um, I think it, that hits, hits pokes your buttons a little bit more uh yeah I gosh I don't know um I want to my like my gut says Bad Batch but everything else says a girl walks home alone at night uh just because a girl walks home alone at night has everything uh that I think you like about a movie but for some reason my gut says Bad Batch um so I'm just gonna go with that and we'll and we'll see yeah um. I, I it's I, I like the Bad Batch better. But, oh shit! Yes, <laughs> fuck yeah. But <laughs> having said that, um, uh, I was kind of the opposite of Keith. The first time I had seen a girl walks home alone at night, I was like, yeah, it was good. I liked the cinematography and everything else. Was like, meh, you know. And then when I saw the Bad Batch, I was like, oh yeah, right on, sweet, this is great. But then having watched it a second time, I actually liked a girl walks home, alone home at night more than I did the first time which is I think maybe because I knew what I was getting into yeah and then the second time I started kind of seeing more of the flaws in the Bad Batch and I didn't, that I didn't see the right. first time but I still like the Bad Batch more mainly because of one little scene and it's the shot where like it's towards the beginning of the movie and she's like in the desert and she realizes that people are after her and then all of a sudden it just cuts to like the cameras like on like the vehicle and she's running in the distance and it's like the vehicle is just like approaching up mm-hmm. from behind yeah. and it's like time has passed and all of a sudden you're in the the middle of this like life or death like chase sequence but it's like done so like <sighs> it, it was shot it, in a very unique way yeah and it was just like so like not urgent and yeah, they even like, shot it in slow motion. Yeah. Like, that's how unurgent it was. It was, like, this like, really weird vibe to it. And I'm just like, this is unique. I haven't quite seen this before. And it just kind of grabbed my attention. And then from then on, I just kind of was like, man, she could do anything. She could do anything stylistically in this film. And I'll, I'll go with it. You know? I, I thought that was kind of cool. I think that's main, the main reason why I liked it the most. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, there. I mean, there was some cool stuff. And I really liked the idea that the Bad Batch uh yeah. Uh, what the fuck? God, I am so bad with words today. Like the the idea that it creates, like right. this idea of this dystopian world, yeah. 
criminals just get locked up behind a fence yeah. and they're left <laughs> to just their own devices to do whatever you know and that's it and then the rest of civilization just keeps on chugging along you know i like that that idea yeah um, and I, they, she did she did do some cool stuff like some cool shots and she had some cool ideas i like the rv converted to a boombox yeah, neon light yeah. and yeah they're just like light. having this like rave in the yeah. desert like you know just and people are just skateboarding and like they're just just hanging out essentially you know there was something where like that van is like a legitimate like van he she saw that somewhere at like some festival music festival or something Burning and man, she, probably <laughs> yeah and she's like i need that for my next movie yeah and, like yeah. i read that she she writes in las vegas like that is that is like where she like go, travels there and writes all of her stuff there so i wonder if she saw it in las vegas oh somewhere. yeah it could be that's cool. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting place to want to go. Right? Yeah, there's oh, a that's lot of shit going on. That I there. really like about her is that she's tapped into that L.A. Hollywood magic in the sense of like, especially with uh, a girl walks alone. Um, she, she, how how L.A. is a substitute for anything, everything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like that that old Hollywood. Um, uh, mythicism or whatever you could call it where you can transport yourself and to any any place in hollywood yeah and she's done that with her films i don't know that's kind of cool yeah it's kind of cool because like nowadays we're like with you know with chris nolan you know he's like obsessed with like going to the places you know right you know like yeah. every film like unless it's like a closed set he has to do something like really crazy and unique yeah. and she, what she's saying is like hey what, like what you just said. Yeah. You know? And I like, like both yeah. of those though. You know, I like, I like yeah, both. I like, yeah. Like, yeah. Both, I, both are great, yeah. but it's cool that people are doing both. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. I dig it. Um, so I have a, a one takeaway from this whole thing. I don't know if, uh, either of you have one or not. Um, do it. But basically I just want to take away this idea. So the, the idea is her plotting, uh, you know, the, the plotting of the narrative, um, and this idea of the style over substance, which we kept bringing up, and how it's important to ground your uh, world and characters, even if you're going for something more experimental in feel. Like, ground them, like, it just seemed like the ideas uh, for Bad Batch just were willy-nilly, almost. And it sounds like she does so much preparation for yeah. her films that it, it kind of blows my mind that she was so willing to just have it be arbitrary, or at least feel arbitrary. Yeah. Um, so it's fine to have style over substance, unless your main goal is to make a narrative film so that needs substance in this case her main goal was to make a narrative film with bad batch like there was narrative there was character interaction there was explanation um you know and she wanted to reach an end with the characters so in that sense you 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 got to have substance yeah, you know definitely. you can't just be style um and that's where I'll kind of fight a little bit more on reference side of things cuz i think his movies feel like style over substance when you first watch them, but I think that there actually is substance. Yeah, there's definitely, um, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, but people disagree with that. So, that's just one thing to take away from it. You know, just just think about what you're doing and whether or not you really want to go for style over substance because a lot of people will hate it uh, yeah. for that reason. So my, uh, my takeaway is just make movies that you like and are different than... Uh, what other people are making you know there's um a lot of filmmakers will just kind of copy you know like even though like uh anna lily i'm a poor 
draws heavily from Leone, which I haven't seen any of his movies, um, but I've seen all of Tarantino's, um, and I can see the influence. She's still like doing her own unique thing and is choosing to like take what she wants and and do it in this way. And she's not trying to mimic as much as she is just being her herself, you know. And I think th- that is a huge takeaway from yeah. this filmmaker for me because I wasn't a huge fan of these movies, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find your voice Definitely. and fucking use that people, voice like crazy. Yeah, yeah, people people will follow because some people love like. Some people probably love the style over substance. I'm not one of them. I I I think I'm the opposite. <laughs> I think there's people who love her movies. You know, yeah. she's only oh, made two, yeah. but I'm sure there's people who love. You know, who it's... are just like dying for the next one. You know, mm-hmm. just like how like on Facebook, like the the Keith page. You know, from that movie watch for your birthday. You remember Keith yeah, with yeah. Uh, McCartney <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that movie has a huge social media page and everyone's just like, this is the best movie of all time <laughs> and they love it. So even though like we didn't like it and thought that's it was pretty so stocky. weird. Yeah. I know, it's weird, right? I just... Well, then you uh, look at... That's their passion about it and that is what it is, you know? I think a good example of what you're talking about is Yorgos Lanthimos because he's even said in interviews like, I don't care. I'm I just gonna make the movies and I know people are not gonna like them but there are people who will like him, so I'm just going to make my movies. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And his movies are fucking weird, and I can totally understand why people don't like him. Um, but he found his voice, and yeah. he said, fuck He's it to everything else. It. Yeah, so. yeah. And people like that. People yeah. like his voice. Totally, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Uh, this week's Week in Review. Wait, just like, just re- like oh, my, my take sorry, real sorry. quick. No, it's I all good. Um, I got a real quick one. Uh, for uh, women, my biggest takeaway is... Uh, women filmmakers don't be afraid to be yourself like don't have to compete with dudes you know what i mean like yeah. i felt like she just was so comfortable with herself mm-hmm. like yeah and as a woman director i think that's important because i like yeah i don't know i thought it was really cool i think um, she that's she's a good got point. confidence yeah i think she's that's got, a good point yeah just yeah. like yeah. like it both of the films seem like punk rock man like yeah she's just gonna do her fucking thing and she did it and like i think um especially with this culture i think like women need to have that attitude now like you know what fuck it this is our opportunity this is our time i agree go for it this is that that time where it's it's new enough to where you can almost experiment right and like i think that's a really good point to bring up because you know i'll go so as so far as to say like she's uh what did you say? She's confident and she kind of just does whatever she wants. Yeah. Compared to someone like Greta Gerwig, who's getting a bunch of acclaim for Lady Bird, but Lady Bird was just a super safe movie. Right. Like, there's nothing right, about right. it that was like, oh, you went out and said something that we are, didn't already know. It's like, right. you said something that everyone's going to agree with. Yeah. And that's why, I'd, you know I'd, what I mean? I'd argue, I'd argue with that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I mean, she's, like, she's got a voice, but it's not. It's not like here I am. I'm Greta Gerwig, and I'm going to fucking take over. You know. Yeah. Whereas like Anna Lily Amabora seems like here I am. Take take me or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you get the more of a fuck you vibe right, from, right. from Amabora. Right. Which I, I I guess I don't need the fuck you from every filmmaker. No, that no you don't. No, no, I'm you not don't. saying that. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just but saying. Don't be afraid to like. I'm just saying like yeah. I think what I t- I'm taking away from her is like like don't be afraid to be like you know what fuck you if you don't like my movies don't be you know a conformist I mean? man yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Fucking come no. on, man. Okay. I do kind of want to shit on Lady Bird a little bit, but like, we can do that. But, oh, uh, man. I, uh, I, it's so not I, the best coming of age, but there's some scenes. There's some scenes in there that were are not meant to be in coming of age movies. Um, and it really like brings it up for me. Yeah. Huh. I'm a huge fan of the genre and I know I've seen a lot of coming of age. Uh, so the, when the non-traditional scenes are in there, it's like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. I kind of like, you know, how, like what this thing is doing differently. Yeah. Here, you know? Um, but I mean, me. I watched it, gave it its fair chance. It wasn't a bad movie. It's just, you know, you right. definitely they, I you get the vibe. You feel you feel the whole like I want to stay in high school and or the I want to conform to high school and fit in. Whereas Amapor went through high school is like fuck y'all. Like yeah, yeah. I got black hair and I rock a beanie every day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Tight black pants and fuck you. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like that's yeah. that. You could tell that there's two different like right. women there, right? Um, but anyway, that's oh, a sure. that's a conversation for a different time. Um, so. This uh, this week's weekend recommends comes from listener Abby Foltz, which is your how she related Guess. to you? Guess sister? Yes, okay. <laughs> that's what I figured, but I didn't know it could have been a cousin Ghost or something. Sister. Yeah. Um, you know, because Gavin is your cousin, so uh, Gavin is my cousin. She says, "Swiss Army Man is one of the weirdest films I've seen. It's hard to believe what you're seeing the whole time, and you feel odd when you like it at the end." The movie completely commits to its weirdness, and it's worth a watch. I definitely, I would agree with that. I've seen it. Uh, I need to see it. It's 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 weird. <laughs> I, I watched it on the plane ride back from New York, and I agree hundred percent with what Abby said. Yeah, it's it's weird, and it is. It's, it was good. It was good to watch. And okay. yeah, it's good. I think Paul Dano gets a. He's very underrated. I think. Yeah, Paul Dano's so, the shit. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, totally. So it's fun. It can be watched with a variety of people. Watch it with your friends for sure. Watch it with friends because it's. It's just funny. It's uh, on it's uh, Amazon bizarre. Prime too, by the way. Oh, it Amazon is. Prime. Yeah, That's yeah. It's on Amazon yeah, Prime. We found it yeah. Amazon Prime. That's so where I watched uh, it. Thank you, Abby, for the recommendation. Uh, all right. If you, I don't think. Do you guys have anything else to say before we wrap it up here? No. No, okay. I'm. Uh, that's that's all I got. Cool. So, if you have any questions, topic suggestions, or opinions, or if you want to correct us on any facts, go ahead and send an email to btvfilmspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also visit our Facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes, all of which can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Um, also, I found out that. Well, so I'm trying to check the different podcasting apps out there, but there's one for iPhones um, and Apple products called Overcast, uh, and we're on that one. So it just automatically parses RSS feeds or something or pulls it from uh, iTunes or something. Um, So you can find us on Overcast, uh, which apparently is a super popular uh, variation of the regular podcast app. Not variation, alternative, uh, if you don't like the iPhone um, app. So I, we're, I'm sure we're on some other ones then too, yeah. Uh, just automatically. So, uh, but we'll find out for sure, and then we'll let you know. Um, if you like the show, please rate it, 
you know if you only want to rate it in one place do it on itunes because it helps others find us it's kind of the biggest platform for podcasts you can also follow us on letterboxd at jacquino for jacob and hyperion creator for me byron has one but I, yeah i don't uh, think we know your username yet yeah i'll let you guys know when okay. i'm uh, actually got some shit on there. okay for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure <laughs> um our intro and outro music was composed by curtis skinner who can be found at skinnyproducing.com you know there's this other plot device called deuce x skinny and it's when instead <laughs> instead of you know having the hand of god come down and change the story to give a happy ending you just end the movie with the gorgeous beautiful uh score like a composition um a lot of podcasts use it our podcast uses this plot device uh deuce x skinny so yeah <laughs> that's pretty fucking good i'm impressed jacob i'm impressed that was pretty um, good. Okay. Uh, next week, we'll be talking Minority Report and Paycheck, focusing on Philip K. Dick short story adaptations. We will be joined by... Do Are, are we keeping the guests, like... Nah, let's just say. Okay. Say, and like, unless we have, like, George Clooney on or something, <laughs> and we don't want to tell anyone, then... Okay. Uh, we should um, say if we have George Clooney <laughs> on, though. Uh, anyway, we'll be joined by guest Tyler Riggs. Uh, who is also a filmmaking friend of yours, right, Jacob? You guys met? Yes, he okay. is. Uh, so David Miller from the previous episode, Killer Clowns from Outer yeah. Space. Yeah. That is his uh, filmmaking partner, who okay. is the writer and director. So they, those cool. two are, uh, they're, you know, David's the director-editor, Riggs is the writer-director. Um, so they work in conjunction cool oh sweet. that'd be good to get that other side of things yeah. i remember talking about that yeah we could probably talk about that too we and I, I you know i feel like we should yeah i think we should sweet uh all right so make sure to watch minority report and paycheck to be a part of the discussion thanks for listening thanks guys bye 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 i was gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> i have fucking this talking about it just a one that's in and i had enough ain't no crazy Thank you.